Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Ready? It's the Roundtable with me, Robert Bannon. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Roundtable. My name is Robert Bannon, and I am so excited to have you here. We love to spotlight art and artists here on the Broadway Podcast Network and on YouTube. You can be listening to my music, too. Go to robertbannon.com, B-A-N-N-O-N.com, or see me live in New York City at Chelsea Table and Stage December 9th for a holiday show, the Robert Bannon Christmas Special. Speaking of special, speaking of music, speaking of great... We have a great show for you today. Singer, songwriter, you may have seen him on some coffee commercials. You may have listened to his music. His song has over 2 million streams. And Bo Bascaro is here to tell us all about it. Well, we've been really honest on here about a lot of things. A, we love singers. B, we love music. C, we love talking about mental health because I'm I'm a firm proponent of, of therapy, help, and thank you, God, for anxiety medication, because you do not have to feel the way that you feel every single day, or at least the way I feel every single day. And I and I love coffee. You know, I love coffee. So, Bo, you're my new best friend. Bo Bascaro is here with new music, and welcome to the round table. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for having me, Robert. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk to you, because when I read your bio and then I listened to your music, we were streaming it in my fifth grade classroom yesterday, because I teach fifth grade in Jersey. Oh, we. We were, we were, we were on it. So tell us, when did you know you wanted to be an artist? Oh my God. Okay. This is a loaded question because there were a few moments, but like the one that really validated me, I think was, do you you remember a show called Smallville by any chance? Of course. Oh my God. Okay. Perfect. So basically there was (laughs) a season, season seven, episode three of Smallville. It was called Cure. And there's a moment where, spoiler alert, if no one's seen it, you're, you know, it's it's too late. Um, but Chloe and Bobby end up breaking up. And the song Where I Stood by Missy Higgins was playing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so sad. I think I want to make people sad. And that's when I knew I wanted to start writing music and mostly making sad songs. Really? Yeah. That was it? And did you learn how to you play guitar or you just yeah. write? Um, I started, so I, I learned how to play guitar, but the journey to guitar was kind of funny because at that point I didn't know what the names of instruments were. So I told my mom, Hey mom, I want to play that instrument with the strings on it, which there's like a hundred of those. So she ended up getting me into bass guitar lessons, which I was like, I don't think this is it. And then like through that, I started realizing, Oh, what I want to play is the guitar. And um, that got me to, st- you know, I figured it out and I started playing guitar. So you were a little, little. Like- um, no, I just was uneducated. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say when Smallville was on, I was of a certain age, but you, you must be, well, you are younger. So anyway, <laughs> besides the point. So when you started to write music and now everybody, if you follow Bo, but follow Bo on the Instagram, follow, listen to his music. You can listen to his music while I have you here before, while anywhere that music is heard, streamed, go, go find it and listen to it. You have made it a point in your career being over there on the West Coast, the North Northwest life that you are. And you have and been playing and, and working and, and getting your music out there. But yeah. then you made a point to make your music 
it's not just love songs and heartbreak and you you have a message behind your music when did when did those two marry together oh wow that is a really good question um i think i i think there's a few answers but i think the moment immediately that i go to is probably back in 2020 um i was doing uh this treatment called emdr which mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it eye motion desensitization reprocess yep exactly so uh, i know we just do this we're like yeah, yeah, yeah. um and that was a moment that i was like it, it was the best worst thing to happen to me where um it opened up a lot of my awareness to my emotions how i was feeling kind of like giving me the giving me the tools to recognize how i was really feeling and why i was doing or reacting the way i was and so at that moment i was writing a song and uh i there's a song i wrote called love you now where um it talks about two um two people that are trying to make it work but it was kind of the wrong place at the wrong time and um kind of like the one who got away and that one that was during that time i was writing that that was when i realized you know that's that's when i started implementing my mental health into into my music uh there's a line that says um uh maybe wait <laughs> i should know the lyrics to my own my own songs um maybe it was like something like uh maybe we were just too young or maybe sabotage runs in my blood and i think it was like coming to the realization that i have a habit of self-sabotage with things that are good and um uh oh it was honestly my fear of love because sabotage runs in my blood that's what it was and i think that was um kind of like a, a coming to coming to being honest with myself and realizing you know taking responsibility for my emotions and acknowledging my emotions and what's really happening inside of me that that is super deep and and wonderful <laughs> because i think that there's still such a stigma about mental health i think people struggle we know that people struggle with it way more than they like to talk about it and in communities and in areas and people's families people don't always get the help i see it in my classroom that they need because people feel like so you putting it out there and then when you put it out there amazing things happened. People wanted to know your story. The world got to hear your story. Yeah. Was, would you like to tell people what I'm maybe talking about? Um, I, I'm a, are we talking about Maxwell Health? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, that was a crazy experience. I will say this is the, 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 the number one best inconvenience of my life. So basically, uh, I had a tumor in my hip that caused helps like helped a create a labrum tear. And that kept me from walking for a really long time. And when at that time I was a server at a restaurant and so I needed to walk, but I couldn't walk, so I couldn't pay rent and my roommates um, didn't get it. So they're like, you gotta go. So I ended up having to move in with my mom who had just recently gotten married and she had a one bedroom house. And so she's like, well, I got this walk-in closet in my living room, does that work? And so I was like, uh, absolutely. Um, we threw my bed in there. I had a full, I have a full size bed, so it fits perfectly in that closet. I had a tiny little desk and a dresser and everything fit perfectly. 
I, I strung some lights in there to get like the vibe right, you know, and try to make the best of it. But during that time, um, I started like trying to take care of myself, getting more healthy, getting in shape. And um, I was signed to this agency that needed um, that needed someone who could play guitar for this commercial. And so I did this commercial. This is like the long winded version. So I'm so sorry. No, please. But, take this is uh, I, I did this commercial and my call time was like four in the morning, but we didn't start shooting till 11 a.m. So I had just recently started walking. So I'm like hobbling around, getting to know each other. You're going to know everybody. And the production team got wind of the fact that I was living in a closet and I had just learned how to walk again. So later on, I think a month later, I got a call from that production team saying, hey, we were hired by Maxwell House to, um, to do this campaign called Max Boost and um, kind of like supporting people who have these ambitions that are consistently faced with um, with obstacles or roadblocks. And they had someone originally, but they were like, but your life is way more miserable. So we want to put you on TV. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was, that was really cool. They, they basically filmed me around Portland and then they flew me down to Universal Studio or not Universal Studio, Universal City, where I recorded at the one of the most legendary recording studios with Harvey Mason Jr., who is the president of the Recording Academy. And um, and so long story short, that went on to that like branding, that campaign was on the Internet and on TV. And from that, I. Um, I got this message from like a really uh, unconventional name and it, the name was Drachma Diar, which I'm like, okay, who the heck is this? But they said, hey, are you the son of Bascoro? Which Bascoro is my last name, which is also my dad's first name. I've never met my dad in my life. So I'm like, yeah, who the heck are you? This person goes, we're your cousins. We just saw you on the internet. We didn't even know you existed. We got to get to know you. And so we spent we spent six months getting to know each other on the Internet, like messaging. And like you think that I'm like messaging some Nigerian prince and sending him a cell phone or, you know, but it's like it, they had the proof. They knew my name was Bascoro and um, I'm the only Bascoro, Bo Bascoro in the United States, at least. So it's like pretty significant <laughs> to like find me. And. Yeah, long story short, I, I made a point to go meet my family, which included finally meeting my dad. And um, that, you know, that was a long winded story. But the point is that because of this ambition of mine, it gave me the opportunity to finally, you know, meet my dad after just growing up without one. It, what a, all from this one gig that led to another gig that led to this nationwide campaign and this, the journey continues. Totally. And I would argue even like all from just like having an injury and having something that like would feel so discouraging for somebody, sure. you know, you just keep moving and you see like the fruit of that kind of um, you reap the the fruit of that kind of labor. And um, it was a really crazy experience. And I, I literally think about it all the time. It's actually been um, it the anniversary was a couple weeks ago of meeting my dad. And, and you, you're Indonesian descent. Yes. Is that, that's and, and, and you, and being in the Northwest, which is very known for, you know, the style of music that you do. Legendary artists come from the Northwest, mm. taking their guitar and, and telling their stories. 
And we're talking about, when you're talking about Maxwell House, if you don't mind while I'm, I'm rambling, uh, the single that you may have heard, Hi keep, <laughs> Hi, keep Up, 2 million streams on Spotify Plus. You know, we we're, we we love our coffee and we love Maxwell House. So, oh yes. Yes, so then that leads you to now creating your own projects and telling your own stories and putting out your own work. So how has that journey been post that to now step into Bo and we're releasing these singles, like the singles that are out now that you can be listening to, like The Lonely Nights Acoustic, which you can be streaming right now. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, that that experience I, totally changed the the career for me because um, it was, I was being recognized and, um, you know, it, it's funny too, because I, I make, I do my own publicity and I do my own marketing. And so I'm always like working really hard to share my music, let people know, you know, new music's coming out. And then, um, with, with this, that song with hi, I, I just like, didn't, I don't think I had the capacity at that point to share it. So I, uh, ironically, I didn't share that one, but that got the most traction so quickly. And people were messaging me like, Hey, yo, this song is fire, you know? And, um, I think I would, I would argue that that was the moment that was the song. And that was the event that gave me the momentum to start, you know, putting me on, on at least the, the lower to mid tier of artists that are doing it, you know? Yeah. And your voice is beautiful. Don't tell yours. And you can write a hook and it's, thank, and you thank you. The music is out, you know. Hi, we said keep the the lonely nights and yeah. and all of the wildfire was a was a group wow. of music. You need to go and you can find all of this information, like we said, wherever music is streaming. And then to use your platform and your songwriting, it's not all sad, Bo. It it makes me feel bittersweet. <laughs> good, good. It's so funny because I didn't even realize. I love one of my favorite artists is Bleachers. Um, Bleachers is Jack Antonoff, who came from the band Fun, yep. and he writes such beautiful music. And I think I really took a lot of inspiration from him. Where uh, the music sounds fun, but then you start listening to the lyrics, and you're like, "What? <laughs> it's so sad." And I didn't realize that until I did a I did a, a show a, a few years ago, and someone came up and they're like, "You know, we love your music so much." It's just kind of makes us sad. And I'm like, why? It sounds so happy. And then I listen to my, I'm looking at my lyrics like, oh yeah, I'm a sad person. <laughs> but that's part of life. That's why we need, nothing makes me happier than a sad song. Like we just Dude, need- Something about it, the commiseration, you know? Yes, you get in the car, it's a long day at work. You're thinking about your life or lack thereof. And yes, <laughs> yes. yes, baby. Yes. And come on, Jack, you know, Jack Antonov, Jersey's own. We, we yes. I'm here in Jersey. Are you? Oh, you're from, you're in Jersey right now? I'm in Jersey right now. Woo, let's go, Jersey. The home of Jack's wedding with the Taylor Swift and closing the street and all the saga. I was just thinking about that and talking with someone. Oh, no. That's wild. But when you talk back to just to talk about tying it all together with mental yeah. health, you, you talk about Tourette's, you talk about anxiety, you talk about OCD, you talk about depression. You know, I, I'm someone who struggles with most of all of those things, and I have been very open about it. Yeah. But for people who don't understand, how do you describe to them? You said at one point you felt like you were a burden to the people around me. I relate to that because on my crazy days, texting, I, I don't, I, I'm nervous. There's something wrong. And what can, are we okay? What, how do you describe it to people in the world or in your life to understand 
how you feel. And it's not just that you're needy or that you're crazy or that you're insecure, that it's really something that people really physically struggle with. Yeah. So just to clarify, how how do you explain to people what it's like basically with the things I have? Yes. Well, um, explain to them. It's, oh man, that's a really good question. I think it's, it feels like, like everything is, I feel, I guess like, that's such a, Robert, you admit gate. That's a great question. Um, I think one thing is that like, it feels very uh, ostracizing because you see, you see the world completely differently than everyone else. And your perspective is, is a bit distorted. And that's because there is some big truck backing up right now. I'm sorry if you can hear that. No but, I love it. Um, Real you life, life here. <laughs> you like that. It's, it's kind of like that, but in my head where um, like it feels like everything's that your thoughts are out of your control and which oftentimes is because of uh, a malfunction in certain parts of your lobes. And um, I think, I think ultimately it feels a little bit ostracizing um, because where as some people see things very like, Tar like tunnel vision minded where they they are focused on one thing they can focus on it and they can lock it in for me it's like not only am i aware of the conversation we're having but i'm also having two different conversations in my head and then you know the traffic outside and then i'm thinking about all these different things so it kind of feels like there's like a thousand people talking to me at the same time trying to like shake my hand or like touch me and get my attention and that that your body reacts to it, even though your mind, you not, you might not realize it because you're desensitized to it, your body reacts to it, which um, then when your body's reacting, it starts to go on autopilot. For me, my body gets really tense, which then um, causes my, my tics to start to react. And if it's negative or positive, it just, that's what sparks the tics because it's like a hyperactive sensation. And, the um and so i mean ultimately it just kind of feels like i would i would say the sensation feels like you're at a public like a very busy public place all the time but just like in your head yeah. kind of like you're at a taylor swift concert in your head at all times i i, I think that was really eloquent i, I think that was <laughs> I was fighting for my life. <laughs> no, because as you were talking, I was thinking about my car needs to be fixed and I hope this interview is okay. And I don't know where I haven't heard from. And then I'm going to, and that's what we deal with yeah. daily. Yes. And it's yes. not that we're not paying, I'm totally paying attention to you. You're and here, but you're also over here too. And it is as exhausting as it sounds. And people, it doesn't just go away. Like people who say like, just think of something nice. Just think, just you can't do that. I'm sure there's something nice in there. Yes. But there's just so much kind of like, like it, for us, we're on our, we're on our screens right now. We're looking at each other. It's like, there's so many people be standing behind my computer and I'm trying to focus on this right. while everyone behind the computer is waving at me and trying to get my attention. So I'm like, Robert, I'm with you, baby. Let's I'm with you, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I totally get it. What has, for people listening, if you if you feel like, obviously you need to see a doctor or, or get medical help, don't listen to us two messes. But, what I, <laughs> but for me, work with a, with a doctor and a therapist has really helped me out a lot. 
is there any advice you give to people who may be struggling with the same kind of thing? Yeah, I, I'm really passionate about, uh, like, obviously, like you, I'm really passionate about this mental health thing. And I think the, the base, the base of what you could do is st speak to a therapist, find a therapist. The problem is that the therapists are so hard to find. And when you find one, I've got, I've had a lot of friends that are like, didn't work for me. It didn't work for me, but they tried one time. And for me, I was like, at, at that point in my life, I was really desperate and really confused. And so, um, I was like, okay, this feels weird, but it feels weird and it doesn't work because you're talking to a stranger. And a lot of people think that like the first session is supposed to fix you, but it's just like any relationship where you're, you're, you have your walls built. It, you're taking time to bring those down to finally get to a point where it can start working. And so I think the first thing I would suggest is don't give up and find, find a therapist. But, you know, some people don't have insurance. Some people don't have the means to have that therapist. There are reddit groups and or threads and there are um there are self-help books if you can't just afford therapy i know that some some great ones for that too and um i think i think yeah the biggest thing i hear from people is i have the i have the depresso or like they they try to dim diminish how significant these things are Right. And to, to be like, it's fine because I'm just depressed, but I'll do these things and be irresponsible with it. And um, I'm really not an advocate of that. I don't think that you should be like, I don't think that you have a platform to, I don't think you should have a platform to, to say something like that. I think you should be getting help because I don't want, I don't want to be someone who glorifies or like encourages being depressed. I think it's okay but I'm not going around being like, it's okay to be like, you know, I'm depressed and whatever. It's like, I'm depressed, but that's not, that's not who I am. And that's not the, the part of the identity that I want to cultivate for myself because that leads to a lot of kind of irresponsible things. So I think taking responsibility for your own, for your emotions and your mental health is, is the, the most important thing you can do. So I would say, you know, find a therapist, like I said, don't give up. And, um, it's like working out. Like yeah. you don't see results immediately. No, it takes a minute and it takes all the time and, and, and find something that, that, that gives you some joy. Like for me and you, it might be art for somebody else. It might be some like yeah. they're hold on to something real, like yeah. the lonely nights acoustic, which is <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, I, I think what you said is, is so valuable and, and so important. We, uh, a lot of people could say, look at you and say, he has new music and he's here and he's there and he's singing and he's doing acting and he's he's on commercials, and he, but not realize that it looks like all of us. All of this looks like all of us. You know, my therapist just said something yesterday that was interesting. She said that, you know, people only see the billable time that you have and they don't understand, they don't, they never see the, the behind the scenes or the preparation behind it. And, um, something there was a once i started becoming more honest with my emotions i would tell people uh like you know i i'm not doing well i feel pretty lonely and they're like well you have so many friends i'm like oh my god you don't understand and i think that a lot of people feel like this um where you could be surrounded by people but you feel so isolated because what we were talking about before like you have so many different things happening in here and it's keeping you from living out here and so um, 
so I think that some people, I I'm sure some people could relate to that. And another thing I told people was like, I'm not happy. And they're like, well, you seem pretty happy on, you know, social media. And I'm like, yeah, I know who doesn't seem happy on social. Why would you want to glorify? Like I'm depressed. Let's post. I mean, like it, it, that just doesn't, that doesn't sound practical or efficient for me or sustainable for me. And, um, yeah, it's social media is a facade and or just one part of somebody. Right. A hundred percent. I had this conversation with students, my godchildren, cousins. You, yeah. I, I love when people say you're doing so great. I see you on, on social media and you're doing them. Yes. But that's man. And I can only imagine for you as a teacher how that first of all, that has to be so rewarding, but also the toll it must take to be able to have to put that on. I would argue it's the same thing. You have to put it on in order to take care of someone else or in order to, to, you know, take care or for, focus on something else. And so to be able to do that is really impressive. And it's more, I would argue it's more significant. You are being a huge influence for, for a younger generation, which is huge. You're, you're in the formative years for them. Well, but thank you. I, yeah, I, sorry. I, I was like a really well, excited. I'm going to take that and appreciate that, but your reach as well. And what you're saying and what you're doing is reaching people of all ages everywhere around the world. I'm grateful to have my little classroom, but you and this platform. But your your music is heard wherever you know music is, and your message and your story and being so honest and, and brave to talk about it will change and save lives. It, it will you. change and save lives. Uh, I like you, Bo. I you come to oh, you, Robert. This is so you come to New York City or you come to the East Coast and do a show. I I will front and center. You have me there, baby. I went to New York for the first time last year and was like, this is one of the greatest places in the world. It's a lot. It's so, <laughs> it is the biggest melting. So I come from Portland, Oregon, and Portland is notorious for being like, we have diversity, which I went to New York. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> like, I get it. Man, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Well, we need to see. We need to see this. We need to see the albums and the singles and all of it live and in person one day and out and about here in the East Coast. And everyone, you know, you can go go to Instagram. It's just as he's. It's just as his name. It's at Bo Buscaro on Instagram and the website and stream the music and listen to the music and reach out and say hey because uh, you're an inspiration to so many people and we're so happy that you joined us today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. This is so lovely. It. You need happy, sad music or sad, happy music or just music to make you clean your house or to ride a bike or take a picnic or go to the mall right there. Bo <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Likewise. Thank you. Well, how about that? If you need help, make sure you go online, find resources, tell somebody, tell somebody that you trust, know and love and, and ask them to help get you some help because you don't have to suffer alone. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you follow me at Robert M. Bannon on Instagram or you go to robertbannon.com. Visit my friends on the Broadway Podcast Network and make sure you check out all their podcasts. There's so many fun, exciting things going on out here. And I hope to see you again next time. Uh, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. And the best is always yet to come. Bye, everybody.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.